It said, the Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. You can all be seated. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bible, you can turn to a familiar, familiar scripture in this church because I read it all the time. I meditate it all the time. I try every day to meditate this scripture that we're going to read. So when you say, boy, you say that a lot in church. I do say it a lot in church, but I think it a lot in church. I think it all of the time. And that is what God told us that he did with his son, Jesus Christ. We have the victory. Turn to your name and tell them, we have the victory. Now, we've got to hold on to it. We can't give it away. The devil cannot steal the victory from you. You can give it to him, but he cannot take it from you because that was established by Jesus. That's why in Adam and Eve in the garden, they, they gave it back to the devil, but they had the victory. They had the authority. They had the power. They had the dominion. So what we're going to talk about today is what you and I should look like, walk like, and talk like. If we have the victory, what should we look like we have? We should look like it. <clears throat> Larry Campbell back there had on a Cubs hat. I, I, I accused him of wearing a Cubs hat because they're in first place now, and he knows he can't lose. They're going to the World Series. Right, Larry? Hallelujah. <laughs> Go Cubbies. How many of you are Cub fans? Oh, not enough of you. I thought everybody in Lafayette was a Cub fan somewhere along the line. <clears throat> we, we, uh, here, here's what we have to do. We have to begin to look like the people that we are. We have to act like the people that we are. If we have the victory, what should we look like? If the devil, that was awful weak. If we have the victory, what should we look like? We should be walking in the victory. And if we have the victory, then we're going to live with the victory. But there's something that we're really going to have to have to go along with what we're about to read. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are to be... How many of you in this church have heard that scripture over and over and over and over? Are you visitors all the way back there? How many visitors we have tonight? Can we see your hands? One, two, three, four, five. Whoa! That was fair, but if I were a visitor and I didn't have a church, I would want to come back to the church that's going to greet me just like we are right now. Let's welcome our visitors. We are glad you are here. <clears throat> Getting a little off message here, but every church, we thank God for all of you that are part of this church, but every church grows on the periphery. It's the visitors that grows the church. So we're glad you're here. If you have another church, be a blessing to them. If you don't have another church, stay here and be a blessing to us. We have great youth ministries, children ministries, every Sunday, 9, 11 o'clock, and 6.30 for the midweek service. So if we have this victory, then we should always be what? Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Somebody that's steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord is going to look like that. They're never going to be down. They're never going to be frowning. They're never going to be, oh, woe is me. They're always going to be, I have the victory. So tell that person next to you, I have the victory. Now check them out. Make sure they look like they have it. You know, tell them, look like what you have. We were in a nursing home one day, and 
this was a this was quite a while ago, but it was a, it was a cute little story. This lady came up to me and she said, "I feel terrible." And I said, "You don't look terrible." And she said, "Well, I feel terrible." And I said, "Well, you ought to look like you ought to feel like you look." And she just absolutely kind of dumbfounded because she couldn't quite get what I was saying. You ought to feel like you look. And then she started to laugh and she said, well, that would help, wouldn't it? I said, yeah, you look like you're great. She said, well, then I feel great. I said, that's great. And we just moved on down the line. Sometimes you just need to tell people what they have. And if you tell them what they have, they'll actually walk and talk like what they have. If we have the victory, we should have it. Now, does everything go right because you have the victory? Oh, no, 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 no. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the victory with endurance or living the victory with endurance. Everybody say endurance. endurance. How many of you know that you need more endurance? Three of you? Four of you? How many of you are not sure what endurance means? How many of you know you don't have it sometimes? <laughs> we all have been there. This is a few months ago, but I was playing basketball with uh, Jack and Carter. You weren't around. I don't know where you were, but but I was beating them bad, too. No, I really wasn't, but I was playing with them. And, and I was a little bit out of my league because these guys are pretty good, and, and, and I can play basketball, but it's been a while since I've been playing. And I could feel the pains and the aches and everything coming, but I wasn't about to show them. I was doing my thing. I was in over my comfort zone. When I went home, I collapsed in the chair, and I thank God they can't see me. <laughs> but, but I needed more endurance to keep up with the grandkids. We're going to need more endurance if we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And what happens a lot of times is people don't understand what the word endurance really means. And we're going to read about it scripturally here in just a moment. Because when you allow stress and situations and circumstances to get on you, it suppresses everything about you. It suppresses your smile. It suppresses your immune system. It suppresses your mind. And it will cause you to think things that you shouldn't be thinking. We will move in a direction away from where God wants us to be. There isn't a single one of you here today that doesn't have something that isn't going right. If that's correct, and I, my hand is up, can I see your hand? Something isn't going right. But now let me see the hands of all the people. If you look, there are a lot of things going right in your life. So where you center your attention is going to be the focus that you have that's going to take that thing to you and through you, and it's going to uplift you or it's going to put you down. And that's what we have to do. So if, if you understand this, it'll absolutely change your life. Now, we're going to look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, <clears throat> because it has a, a great deal to talk about regarding uh, endurance. Uh, and once you stretch your endurance beyond where it has been, then you have more comfort to do and and overcome things that aren't going right. If everything went right in our life, day in and day out, it would be, oh, glory to God, this is the day the Lord has made, I shall rejoice. But if things aren't going right, guess what? Glory to God, this is the day the Lord has made, I shall rejoice. I shared a message not too long ago that every morning you ought to get out of bed and do that. Don't flip on the TV set, flip on the spiritual realm of God and say, God, this is the day. Matter of fact, let's say it right now. We'll practice right now. Ready? Uh, just follow me. Lord, Lord this, is this is the day you have made. You have made. I, will I will rejoice. Can you do that every day? 
won't have quite as many people around you, but you can do it every single day. And you can really get yourself tuned in and up for the day's battles that you're going to win. And even though it looks like you may lose a few battles along the way, you have the victory no matter what. Tell your neighbor, I have the victory. Everywhere we go, we need to tell people we have the victory. Now, you might look at some people and say, things aren't going right, or somebody's not treating me right, or something like that. Suck it up, move on. You have the victory. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have the victory. You may not be able to say to him, suck it up and move on, but that's exactly what you need to do because Jesus laid his life down for you, picked it up again, and is at the right hand of the Father, and you and I are going from glory to glory in everything that we do. Right, Brad? We are going from glory to glory. Now, this is what the book of Hebrews has to say. Hebrews chapter 10, it's really talking about the just living by faith, this whole section, but then it's kind of coming to a conclusion, and it says, therefore... Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance that after you have done the will of God, you shall receive the promise of God or the promise that God has for you. Now, so what do we need? We do the will of God, but we have endurance. Sometimes if you don't have endurance, you won't follow through to do the will because you'll get tired in well-doing. You'll get weary in well-doing. But if we continue on with endurance, then we know that we can handle it. How many of you know you've fallen down before? What do you do when you fall down? You get back up. If you lay there for a while, it's harder to get back up. But once you fall down, you get back up and you say, hey, my... uh, uh, grandson was, uh, I wasn't with him, uh, his other grandfather was, but my grandson had just gotten, this is several years ago, uh, he lives in Charlotte, but, but uh, they were here in Lafayette, and they, and they were Walmart, and he had on a pair of, uh, remember when the tennis shoes came out with uh, uh, ro- uh, uh, wheels on them, that was kind of new to him, and he just gotten a pair, and, and, and he never likes to think he does anything wrong, he was only about seven years old, and so I guess he's, he's wheeling around there at Walmart, and all of a sudden he flipped over and landed on his back and on his head, but he jumped back up, and he turned to his grandfather and said, I'm okay, I meant to do that, and, it, <laughs> and his grandfather said, well, then you ought to feel good about yourself. <laughs> As he pulled himself back up. You know what? We ought to be quick to jump up and say, you know what? I got the victory. I got the victory. I fell, but I got the victory. Though we fall, we shall. Arise. Though we fall, we shall. Arise. Nobody should stay down because you have the victory. It cost Jesus his life, but now he gave the victory to you and I. So, in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures here, but uh, it's, it's verse 13 uh, and 14. Jesus is saying that those who endure to the end will see the kingdom of God and have that eternal life. And it says that we must endure to the end, those who endure to the end. So right now, if you look at the world, how many of you get depressed when you see what's going on in the world? Okay. How many of you do not get depressed when you see what's going on in the world? If you study the Word of God and realize that any time we allow something to depress us, it makes us feel bad and stressed out. But if we look at things and realize that, you know what? God told me this is about to happen. Russia has moved in to Syria. Whoa, prophetic, Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39. 
wars and rumors of wars are happening all over the world. Jesus said it was going to happen. There's pestilence all over the world. There are people homeless all over the world because of natural calamities and because of wars. Jesus said it was going to happen. So therefore, instead of getting down and think, oh my goodness, what's happening? What is happening is prophetic. Everybody say prophetic. Prophetic. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's prophetic. So we're not getting down. That means we're one day closer to the rapture of the church. We're one day closer to Jesus coming back. But in the meantime, there's work for you and me to do. That We are the answer for the world because we have Jesus, and Jesus is the answer for the world. So we don't get weary in well-doing. We don't get weary in in looking at what's prophetically coming. As a matter of fact, you can't change what is prophetically coming. said this is what's going to happen it's going to happen if the prophet said in ezekiel it's going to happen it's going to happen exactly the way he said it so therefore we should get excited about the time frame that we live in if we don't get excited about it you'll become depressed and you'll become anxious by the way speaking of of anxiety we need to pray for all the people on the east coast Father, we pray for all the people on the East Coast where that Hurricane Matthew is moving up, and we just, we just speak to it to move out to sea. Just take a right turn, go east, and go out to sea. In Jesus' name, let it go out to sea. Pray for all of the people in, in that area, Lord, and let that thing just move out to sea. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, if we are going to endure all of these things, and if we're going to actually walk in the victory that we have, knowing that there are going to be some situations and circumstances, they're beyond our control, and God will take care of them. But we need to have endurance. Everybody say that word. Everybody say it one more time. How many of you are ready to run uh, five miles? Let me see your hands. Uh, Whoa, two of you are. Three of you are. Great. How many of you are ready to run ten miles? (laughs) You know, with the body, I saw a hand, I see it. Now, some of you, some of you can do that. When I was in the service, they used to take us out and they'd run us five miles. And, and uh, they, they, we, we thought we were going to die. We really did. But then they started running us one and two miles, sometimes three miles. But once you ran five miles, one, two, and three doesn't bother you. Does that, does that make sense? In other words, somebody that's going to run a marathon, what is that, 26 miles or 26 point something miles, they've got to run a little bit more than that before they get into it so that they're trained and their body tells them, I can do this. I can run that 26 miles. I can run that three miles. I can run that two miles. How do you know you can run it? Because I ran five. So you get to the point when you actually know that you have the endurance that is needed. The endurance will give you the ability to bounce back from any setback that you happen to have. All of us have things that we are praying and believing God for and releasing our faith for, and some of them worked out the way we thought, and some of them didn't work out the way we thought. So what we do is get back up and we say, God, I know you know more about this than I do. I'm moving on. I am not sitting down and licking my wounds. I'm going to move on. Now, what happens when we do that is it takes us to another level of faith. Now, I want to give you the the definition for endurance. The definition of endurance is this, 
to hold one's ground in conflict. See, we look at endurance not from the spiritual standpoint of the Word of God, but just from the Word, oh, endure, I just need to do this or do that. This is what the actual word means in the Greek. To hold one's ground in conflict. Do we have that for the PowerPoint? Yeah. To, to hold one's ground in conflict. There's going to be conflict? You better believe it. To bear up against adversity. To hold up under stress. How many of you realize sometimes you don't even know you're under stress? Until somebody comes along and says, you are under stress. You don't have to wait until your blood pressure goes up. Somebody is going to tell you. Stand firm to persevere under pressure to wait calmly and patiently. I want to say that again. This is what it means if we're going to endure. It says you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. To hold one's ground in conflict. How many of you got some conflict going on right now with the devil? He's got some of your family seemingly captivated. He's got some of your finances. He's, he's ripped off of you. Uh, you know, you, you get to the point where I'm going to hold my ground. I know the will of God. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm holding my ground. This conflict is going to be settled by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to let go of it. Bear up against adversity. How many of you got some adverse situations going on? If you don't have yet, you will have. Turn to your neighbor and say, I came tonight for that. <laughs> You will have. You're going to have adversity. Don't go out and say, I can't wait for the adversity to come today. It will find you. But you're walking in victory. Is that right? What are we walking in? Therefore, when adversity comes, we say, I have the victory through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm steadfast. I'm immovable. I'm always abounding in the work of the Lord. And therefore, you actually believe it, and that's called faith. And when you do that, it absolutely changes you. And then it says to hold up under stress. In other words, stress is not going to bother me. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to hold up under it. I'm going to stand firm what I believe. You know what you believe. But what we have to do is increase what we believe based on the Word of God. And then it says, persevere under pressure. Wait calmly and patiently. May I see the hands of all the people that from time to time have a very difficult time, Manny, be sure and raise your hand, of being calm and patient. May I see your hands. Now, guess what? The devil who brings adversity loves to challenge you in your weakest area. He doesn't come in your strongest area. He comes in your weakest area. So wherever you have a weakness, he's going to come and come to, to, to push on that thing. So therefore, sometimes, and I, I understand some people say it's a personality trait. I don't believe it. I think it's a spiritual trait. If you can stay calm in the midst of adversity, the devil is going to walk away from you. And I'm going to show you the scripture in just a moment. The devil is going to walk away from you only to regroup to try to come and attack you again. This may be news for some of you, but the devil hates you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the devil hates you. You tell him, I love you, but the devil hates you. And the devil is always, always, always scheming against you. He is either on attack or retreating from you to plan his next attack. 
I'm not looking forward to the devil's attack tomorrow, but I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to repel it through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I know the devil wants to kill me. He's an equal opportunity employer. He wants to kill you too. The thief comes to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. We're not going to focus on that. Jesus said, I came to give abundant life and to give it more abundantly. John 10.10. You can look at John 10.10 and you can focus on the blessing that Jesus came to give you the abundant life. Or you can focus on the fact that the devil's out to get you. Devil's out to get you. And guess what? He loves to use people to do that, does he not? How many of you have ever been attacked by people? You are calm. You are patient. And you walk in forgiveness because the Word of God says so. Let's all say it. I can forgive. forgive. Anybody. Anybody. Anywhere. Anywhere. Anytime. Anytime. Now, you all believe that? Okay. Test. How many of you have a hard time forgiving some people? May I see your hands? Well, that's too many hands going up for what we just confessed. Okay. Now, if if you have the endurance to run the race... You can say, I'm forgiving because it's an act of my will. My Savior did that for me when I was still in sin. So therefore, I'm going to forgive everyone who needs forgiveness regardless of what they do. Because if I don't, it's going to tie me to them. And I am not going to hold up under the pressure that that's going to cause. A lot of people have pressure in their life. And they're not being blessed by God because they don't walk in forgiveness. Once you walk in forgiveness with somebody, that situation is resolved as far as you're concerned. Maybe not as far as they're concerned, but as far as you're concerned, that situation is resolved. Now, endurance comes by releasing faith in God's Word. And as we get further and further along into the prophetic times that we're in right now, I see this in Pastor Stanley all of the time. He's praying constantly. He doesn't, you know, they're there for a while. Thank God for your giving. They have food. They have transportation. They have a place to stay. They have government opening their arms to them. And all of this is happening. But there for a while, he wasn't sure what to do. And they're coming down the road from Ye, and they're coming into Uganda, and they weren't sure that the rebels were going to be there, and they weren't sure what was going to happen to them. And all these things that were coming, Stanley was waiting in Uganda, but the leadership that he had assigned to them in the trucks, but praying constantly, praying constantly, speaking the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, speaking the Word of God. Most of us going home tonight don't have to continually pray the Word of God and hope we can get there safely. Most of us get in our car and drive home and don't even think about it. But they had to over there because of the situation and the circumstance. No matter how bad it gets in the world, we have the victory. So let's say, I have the victory. No matter what happens tomorrow, what do you have? What do you have? No matter what happens tomorrow, what do you have? Next month when you run out of money, which I hope you don't and I'm praying you won't, if you run out of money next month, what do you have? The victory. We've run out of money before. Never, never in the church. But I mean, you and I've run out of money before. I know what it's like to take my wife to a tennis match in Tulsa, Oklahoma, doing exactly what God showed me to do out there to the best of my ability. I made some mistakes and didn't have enough gas to get her there and get her back. She was on staff at Victory Christian School and she, the staff was playing the girls varsity tennis club and I didn't have enough gas to get there and back. All I knew to to do is I had to go. And I heard about people saying, you know, that God gives you more gas and all that. Well, I've never had that happen, but I'd love to have it. That didn't sound right, does it? God gives you more gas. (laughs) Petro. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, 
But I, I drove her in there, and she got out to go warm up to play this little girl. And the guy came walking across the parking lot, and he said, Bill, God spoke to me today and said, I'm supposed to give you $20. You know what it's for. I had $20 worth of gas. I mean, that was like a million dollars for me. That was starting to plug in supernaturally that this thing worked. Turn to your neighbor and say, it works. And then Pam beat the girl that she played, the, the high school varsity player, and the girl cried. Pam made that little girl cry. Now, now Pam, Pam's a good tennis player. Now, this, this is where we have to be solidified, and I know you've heard it before, but if you're not, I, I just can't, I love to observe people, myself included. I love to observe people. And when people are under pressure, you've got to use the Word of God. When you're not under pressure, you've got to use the Word of God. When things are going right, you've got to be meditating and speaking the Word of God. And when things are going wrong, you've got to be meditating and speaking the Word of God. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, when confronted by the enemy, man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If Jesus said it, that settles it. What should we live by? The Word of God. You have to read the Word day in, day out, and meditate the Word of God if you're going to have and be established with your endurance. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. I'm the head, not the tail. I have the soundness of mind. I, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the blessings of God upon my life. My God will supply every financial need that I have according to His riches and glory. And that scripture became so real to me, as I've already shared with you, when Brad and I stood in the Barclay Bank in Aurora, Uganda, saying, we need $15,000. And the girl said, you can only have $1,000 on each credit card. And I said, I'm on a mission from God, and we need $5,000 for a credit card. Folks, when I said that out of my mouth, I thought, whoa, that is really powerful. And she said, I'll be right back. And she said, you can have it. Glory to God. That's the way we should live our life, doing on assignment from God. I, one of my favorite movies of all times, don't go get in it because Pam thinks it's kind of a corny movie. It probably is, but it's the Blues Brothers. How, how many of you like the Blues Brothers? Anybody? Oh, my goodness, Pam, look at all those hands. They like, <laughs> well, maybe some night we'll get the big screen and watch it in here. I love the Blues what do they say? We're on assignment from God. <laughs> I love that movie. You're on assignment from God. Turn to your name and tell I'm on assignment from God. And God will take care of your assignment. He will pay for your assignment if you release faith and endure what he has for you. And then the second thing is we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. That's John chapter 16, verse 13. And if you get this scripture, and I know you've heard these before, but I'm telling you for what we're getting ready to walk in, you've got to have it embedded within you, embedded, embedded, embedded for the things that are ahead of us. Jesus said, that, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth and that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What that means is you will have exactly what Jesus had when he walked on this earth to do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. You don't have to fret. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be concerned. All you have to do is be able to endure and say, you know what, I don't see it now, but I'm going to see it in a few moments. From the time we said that to that Barclay Bank until the time we got the money, there's a lot of lapse time there. It didn't happen as fast as I just told you. But when she finally came back and said, you can have it, it's like, whoa. Now, this isn't what I thought, but this is what I think now. Whoa, this stuff really works. <laughs> faith works. Turn to your neighbor and tell, faith works. faith works. Faith in God pulls on God to bring forth what you have need of. And if we have the endurance, we'll have it. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples here 
of two great examples of endurance in the Word of God. This isn't one of them. I just kind of went around it. I want to go back to it. One of my heroes of faith is Oral Roberts. Oral is in heaven now. His wife is in heaven. Oral Roberts probably had as big of an impact on the world as anyone else ever. He traveled the world. He was a boy who stuttered. God healed him of stuttering, uh, built a university that's a world-class university, sending people all around the world. And, and Oral Roberts, at the height of his ministry out there in Tulsa, had a situation that developed one time. His daughter and son-in-law were in a plane crash. They were flying somewhere. I don't know where the plane crashed. They were both killed. Shortly after that, his boy came back, one of his boys came back from Vietnam and uh, just had a lot of challenges and uh, needed a lot of prayer, but he ended up committing suicide. Now, here's a man of God, serving God, doing everything that he can. How many of you, you know, you, you really are trying to do everything that you can, but you know that you have some family members that just maybe aren't lining up the way they should. You know what I'm talking about. And you're saying, God, come on, take care of them, please. But here's Oral Roberts. He, he lost his daughter and he lost his son in a fairly short period of time. And someone asked him, it's in one of his books, someone asked him, said, Oral, how can you continue serving God when situations like this are happening to you, the man of God? And he said, I turned to them, and I looked at them, and I said, well, where would I go? Who would I turn to if it wasn't God? Think about that. We don't have any options. I don't even want any options. I know things don't always go the way God wants them to go. I know things don't always go the way I want them to go. But where, where could we turn? To the world? A lot of people in the body of Christ do. They fall out of the body of Christ, and they turn to the world. Drugs, alcohol, stuff, all they do is feel more guilt, more condemnation. There's nowhere for us to turn, folks. But you know what? There's nowhere we want to turn. We have our focus upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to give you a couple of stories in the time that we have left here. Two great examples. Uh, Two of my heroes in the, in the, in the Bible, uh, well, there are many, there are many, but I love David, King David, I love Joshua. And David was a man who is described as being after God's own heart. And David had some challenges with Saul. David loved Saul, but Saul hated David. It was basically just a, a pride factor that David seemed to get more adulation than, adulation than Saul. So David is hiding out, and he's in an area called Ziklag. And we don't know exactly what will happen. Some of it I'm just paraphrasing. But David decided to align himself with the Philistines in a battle against Saul, totally contrary to his personality. Why he did that, we don't know, but he did. And when they got out to be uh, kind of a parade dress, like in the military, for the Philistines to look at them, the Philistine leaders <clears throat> saw David, that they didn't know David was part of this one contingency, and they said, that's David. That, 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 that guy is, it was with Saul. He can't go into fight with us, the battle with us. The, the battle turns and we, we start winning. Uh, you know, he could, he could go and side with Saul, so you've got to send them back home. Now, I don't understand 
why David would align himself with the Philistines to fight against Saul because he said he would never touch God's anointing. So that's, that's something that God will have to share, share some other time for me. But, but, but regardless, he was doing it. He left his, the family and the family of all his fighting men, and these fighting men were loyal to him. They were surrounding him. They were loyal to David. And David, they told him, you, you go back home. You're not going to fight in this fight. So David goes back to Ziklag. But when he arrived at Ziklag, he found that the village had been burned. All of the people and all of the families had been taken, kidnapped, and, and taken away. And he, he, they were grieving. He was grieving, and his people were grieving. Have you ever been in a situation where, I know it isn't like this, but have you ever been in a situation where you seem like you're the only person doing the right thing and nobody is, is there with you? Can I see your hands if you know what I'm talking about? It's like I'm trying to bring the answer here, and it seems like all hell is breaking loose in the midst of it all. That's what Ziklag happened when David went back. And it said that the men, these are fighting men loyal to David, loyal to David. And all of a sudden, they turn on David because of the tremendous loss that they've had. And they want to stone David. They want to kill David. You may never have been in that type of a situation, but you've been in some type of a situation where, God, why is all this happening to me? I'm trying to bring forth the will of God. But what happened is David... And it says in, in uh, a verse number, it's uh, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. It said, David strengthened himself in the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Sometimes when we're right in the midst of everything that's going on, we don't need multiple choice. You need to quiet your mind and you need to say, God, what and how do you want me to handle this? You need to be that endurance person, very calm, very patient, and say, Holy Spirit, what should I do now? And get your mind clear so that you're not emotionally charged to hear. What did David hear? He heard, pursue, and you will recover everything. In a moment's notice, doesn't say this in the Bible, but I believe this is exactly what happened because of how it worked out. I believe David turned to these men that were ready to stone him and kill him and said, I have just inquired of the Lord. Most people are looking for a leader. Most people are looking for somebody to follow. I believe David quieted them and said, listen, I have just inquired of the Lord. I have heard God said, pursue and we will recover all. And guess what happened? They pursued, and they recovered all. And those men that were going to kill him followed him into the battle, and they recovered everything that had been taken from them. That's where we have to be. David was willing to endure and go back into battle, even though their hearts were broken at that time. Second example I want to give you is in the book of Joshua. And Joshua is real. I just love reading about Joshua. And this one hits close to home for a lot of people, I believe, because Joshua was an understudy. He was promoted when Moses died, and he became the leader. And he was given the best advice that anybody could ever be given. And this is advice for all of us. This is where our faith comes from. This is where our endurance comes from. God spoke to Joshua and said, meditate the word of God, day and night, and you will have good success and you will prosper. 
If we will meditate, that is Philippians chapter 4. If you will meditate the Word of God day and night, you will always prosper. Meditate the Word of God day and night, day and night, day and night. Many people have a problem meditating the Word of God because they're meditating the situation and circumstances that are going on around them. But if you'll meditate the Word of God, the power of the Word of God will come on the scene. And so David, excuse me, Joshua, uh, is, is ready for his first battle. And I'll just paraphrase all of this, but it's in uh, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua is being led by the Lord, and he's living what God said. Whatever you say, God, I will do. How many of you think that'd be a good idea? Turn to your neighbor and say, that'll probably change your life. If you do whatever God said, that will change your life. And so what you've got to know is if, if you do whatever God said or says, it'll change your life. What do you have to know? Very good. You guys all getting an A-plus tonight. Now, in other words, what does God say? Well, you have to quiet your mind to ask God what he says. If I want to know what Brad thinks, i got to ask Brad. If I want to know what my wife thinks, all I have to do is look at her. No. <laughs> that comes from how, many, how long we've been married? 35 years. How many of you husbands know what I'm talking about? You don't have to tell me what you think. I feel the vibes. <laughs> but, but what happens is we, we get to the point when, when it's so easy, we forget it. I can't begin to tell you how many people that would be making decisions in, in emotionally charged situations. And I say, did God tell you that? And I said, well, I don't know. And I said, why are you making a decision? Why would you make a decision without God? If you're going to buy a red tire or a blue tire, I can understand that. But if you're going to do something like this, why would you make a decision without hearing from God? Well, I don't know what he said. Well, he's probably not wanting you to do anything because God will never not tell you what he wants you to know. I pray you'll never forget that. I say it a lot. God will never not tell you what he wants you to know. Does that make sense? He'll always tell you what he wants you to know. So Joshua, getting ready for his first battle, and what he's got is, if I do what God said, you know, I'm paraphrasing this for all you visitors, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the whole thing, but okay, God, you said if I just meditate your word, and I don't know how to do uh, 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 the battle of Joshua, I mean, uh, 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 <laughs> glory to God, Jericho, Jericho, <laughs> thank you, Bill, uh, I, I don't, I've never fought in Jericho before, God, so how am I going to do this, and God says, I'll tell you when you get there. How many of you ever had God tell you stuff like that? I'll tell you when you get there. Okay, God, I'd rather know in advance. So you're not going to know in advance. Anyway, he gets there, and God speaks to him and says, hey, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to march around there for a few days, and you're going to do this a few days, and then you're going to shout, blow the trumpets, and the walls are going to fall down. It is so simple to tell that story. But can you imagine Joshua standing in front of all of his men and saying, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tiptoe around, then we're going to blow the horn, then we're going to all shout and scream, and the walls will fall down. I don't know if it went down that easy for Joshua or not. Maybe it did because they had such respect for him. But that's sure not the way people did battle. But that's the way God wanted to do it. And the miracle took place. And I believe what happened was God always wants all the glory. So there was nobody, there was no fighting man that got the glory. Nobody said, my voice is prettier than yours, and it brought down the wall. No, it was God who brought down the wall. So then they're probably excited. You know, you know how, don't you get excited after every victory? Can I see the hands of all the people? When that victory comes, you get so excited. Guess what you're ready for? Another battle. You're getting into another battle. You've just built your endurance up for the next battle because you're on this earth to battle the devil. Not, not to battle the devil, but to walk and enforce the devil's defeat. The battle, the devil has already been battled. We are just to walk in victory and walk by faith and proclaim the word of God and everything will be taken care of. So now he's coming up to the second one. 
This is a snare for so many people. Next battle is the battle of Ai. And Joshua consulted God for the first battle. Now the battle of Ai. If you check it out in, in uh, uh, second, uh, Joshua chapter 7, it's Joshua chapter 7 and 8. In Joshua chapter 7, Joshua talks to his leaders and he says, now I'm paraphrasing this part. Hey, that was a great battle in Joshua, in the Jericho. Now, now we're getting ready to go up into the AI. Yeah, what do you guys think? What should we do? Now, it doesn't say he said that, but it said all of his leaders said, listen, they are a weak people. There aren't that many of them. Let's just send up about 3,000 people. That's all we need. This battle is a piece of cake for us. We saw Jericho come down. We can handle it, Joshua. And Joshua, a man who had just been given his instructions by God, meditate my word day and night and you'll be successful and you'll be prosperous. Joshua listens to the people. How many of you have ever listened to people instead of God? Two of you. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I say that because Molly always laughs when I say that. You, you, we've all done that. We've all been there before where, well, okay, I guess if you really feel like that, yeah, okay, let's do it that way. And then you find out that, no, that was not the way I was supposed to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I should have consulted God. And so they went up, and they got, they got beat up bad. They got chased right back down the mountain. And Joshua starts crying out to God and saying, God, what happened? Well, we know there was sin in the camp from the battle of Jericho because Achan took things and they were told not to do it. But here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe if God, I mean, I believe if, if Joshua had said, God, we're getting ready to go up to Jericho. We're getting, uh, uh, <laughs> my mouth is stopping working. I, we're getting ready to go up for the battle of Ai. What do we need to do? Give me your wisdom. I think God would have said this. You have sin in the camp. You're not ready to go to battle. Get rid of the sin, and then I'll give you the battle plan. And I believe that probably Joshua would have said, what's the sin? Who is it? And I believe God would have told him. I believe God will tell you when you're not ready. And I believe God will tell you when you're ready. I believe God is speaking to people to get the sin out of your life, but he's not calling it sin. He's telling you what to do, and you're not doing it, and that is sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, now he's going to meddling. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but anything God's telling you to do, he's doing it to get your endurance built up and to build up your faith for what he wants to take you to. But at your point of disobedience, he's got to put you on the shelf because he knows he can't trust you. I'm going to say that again. He loves you. How many of you have more than one child? How many of you love them all equally? How many of you don't trust them all equally? (laughs) <laughs> you know exactly you know exactly what I'm talking about you got you got every once in a while you got one of those children that's the old Russian proverb trust but verify <laughs> you got to make sure okay so anyway <clears throat> what happened was he finally got it settled with God because that's exactly what God did after the fact jo- Joshua did cry out to God and God said you got sin in the camp he, he that's exactly what happened so then he got ta- the sin got taken care of and now he's he consults God 
which he should have done in the first place as the leader that he was. Now he consults God for the second battle. God tells him exactly how to do it. Get behind the village. Get over here to the village. God is a warrior. God is a warrior for his people. And he tells him exactly how to position the men. Some of that military positioning that Joshua did is still used in our military today on how to outflank. And all of that stuff came into play. Joshua did it and bam, they had the victory and they won the victory and they had it. Why? Because Joshua did exactly what God said. And Joshua's endurance was built and built and built to accomplish everything that God had for him. Now, let me sum this all up by this. In the time frame that we live in right now, 1 Peter chapter 5, 8, and 10 says that the devil, your adversary, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. He has no power and no authority over you. But he can challenge you in the area of your mind. He can shoot fiery darts of thought that will cause you to entertain them if you're not meditating the Word of God. He'll say, you're sick, you're going to die. You'll never make it. Nobody's going to serve you. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. You all know what I'm talking about. Fill in the blanks. He will do that from now until we are raptured out of here. But the good news is you don't have to listen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have to listen. The Word of God says we can cast down any thought that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. So therefore, we aren't thinking anything that is contrary to the Word of God. James 4, 7, one of the most powerful scriptures in the book, says this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. The devil tries to torment your mind. You say, I have the mind of Christ. I'm anxious for nothing. I have no fear. I have perfect love and a sound mind. So devil, get out of my way. And the devil flees to go back and regroup and says, oh, man, they've been to church again. That's Wednesday night. We'll get them Thursday night. They'll be, they'll be sitting good. Or we'll get them on Friday. See, this is nothing to be fearful of. But right now, the devil is either attacking you or he's planning his attack. The good news is that when he comes, you can lick your chops and say, he's going to be fleeing in just a minute because I'm putting him down based on the word of God. I know my authority. I know my power. I know who I am. I am the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I walk by faith and not by sight. And we start to speak as an oracle of God because when you speak the word of God, it will never return void. Can you say amen? Let's stand to our feet. God has victory after victory after victory waiting for each one of you if you'll meditate the Word of God day and night, if you'll speak the Word of God day and night, and if you'll do what God is telling you to do. No commanding officer is ever going to promote anybody who's not doing what they've been told to do because he knows he can't trust us to be where he wants us to be if we're going to pick and choose what we're going to do for him. But the good news is that God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life and that every single one of us need more endurance in our life. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you the most important 